Today, I want to just introduce to you a new season we're stepping into, and I want to scratch the surface with it a bit. I, I hope to create a little bit of intrigue. Um, God's been dealing with me about this since the beginning of the year, and I've been walking through some of it personally just to experience it on my own uh, as I'm going to encourage you in this today. I want to talk about being spiritually activated. Um, we kind of abandoned the idea of you know, trying to do series as much as we're trying to just discern seasons. It's easy to get caught up in the advertising mechanism of the culture in which you and I live, where we begin to make church a product that we're trying to convince consumers to show up and like and enjoy what we provide. But the problem is the kingdom of God doesn't make room for us to make Christians into consumers. Christians are to be fruitful and multiply. We should be producers. So when I'm declaring God's word and you're a part of what God is doing, you're actually saying yes, amen, a declaration on your part. Our worship is not showing up to see how awesome the team can do. And, and let me just say, I am thankful for the Destiny worship team. And we've got a great crew of people really bringing in the heart of God. Every single week after week, <clears throat> Tracy, the girls, and I have been gone for these past two weeks and uh, just experiencing different forums of, of ministry and worship. And man, every time I was really thankful to be doing what we were doing, but boy, did I miss home. And, and here this morning, I was reminded why. I'm just so thankful for the heart of God that's brought here week after week. So what we want to do is enter into a season where we're discerning what God's wanting to reveal in this particular season and walking that out uh, as best we can. So recently, uh, there were, we were having a few phone problems in our family, and we went to the AT&T store. And many of you will have experienced this in the recent past, I'm sure. You walk into the showroom, and in the showroom, you've got all these beautiful phones that are absolutely worthless unless they're activated to function. And so we're holding our phones, and they say, oh, you're eligible for an upgrade, which means you pay money every month for the upgrade. Congratulations, you're eligible. You win. Uh, it's an interesting system they have. But anyway, so we, we bought right in. I mean, we just drank the Kool-Aid like everybody does. We said, yeah, we'll take two of those. And, and there's the phone sitting there. It's beautiful, not a scratch on it, but absolutely worthless until the phone is activated. And is it possible that you and I have kind of bought into a culture in our society that has tried to reduce Christianity to a self-serving religion and institutionalize our theological conclusions in such a way that we no longer are the Jesus movement, the Spirit-led power, empowered by God Jesus movement that He's called us to be. We're kind of like phones in a showroom. We've got the, the software downloaded. The iOS is there. But have we really been spiritually activated? And what I'm going to focus in on in the course of these weeks is, is the, the what, the explanation explanation is that you and I are gifted by God. I mean, you have to understand every person in this room is uniquely gifted by God, but there is a difference between being gifted and being anointed. And being gifted is something God places within you that you embrace and you develop, but being anointed is something you have to choose to do. Our gathering like this today, getting in a place of worship, sensing God, awakening something within us, it begins to activate the anointing on a congregational family 
family level. We, we get that. We understand that. But there are some things personally, spiritually, individually that you must function and work at to be able to activate the anointing in your life. All I'm saying is there are some places God's called you to go that nobody can preach you into. You have to pray into them yourself and take control of your destiny declaring, I want all God has for me. Come on, who in this place wants everything? Everything God has for them. And I want to give you some hows, uh, how-to in the progression of this today, but we need to understand salvation is when we accept Christ, and the iOS is, is there, the software is downloaded, but it may not be functioning fully. In fact, it will not be functioning fully just because you get the download. That's why the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to grow faith to faith, level to level, as you sort this out. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so continue to walk in him. How many of you received Christ Jesus as Lord? Raise your hand. This is the way it happened for me. I was at a Petra rock concert at Lloyd Noble Arena. And suddenly, I realized I'd been duped. I didn't want to go to a Christian concert. I was a heavy metal lead guitar uh, rocker in bands, and a guy talked me into going to hear a band, and then I get there and realize this is not your normal concert that I've been here in the Lloyd Noble Arena. And like I start experiencing the presence of God in that moment in time, God begins to awaken something in my heart. I'm hearing God. I begin to respond, and God's kingdom begins to expand from the inside out. That weekend in November of 1986, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He spoke, I responded, the kingdom began to expand. In the same way you were saved, so continue to live in him. God speaks, you respond, and the kingdom begins to expand. I'm going to enlarge your frame of reference, your contextual frame of reference today in some things perhaps you haven't even imagined possible, but I want you to know God has plans for you that are unimaginable, so far beyond where you have believed God could ever take you in your life, and I am calling this out of the body of Christ in power and anointing today in Jesus' mighty name. Let's rise up and be all. God has called us to be. So how did Jesus do all the stuff that he did? How did he know when he's talking to this woman at the well how many times she'd been married? How did he know where the colt was going to be tied up? How did he know to tell Peter when they needed to pay taxes, go fishing and you'll catch a fish and the fish will have money in his mouth? How did he know all this? Because he's God. Well, there's a little more to it than that. In fact, he, he himself explained, I only do what I see my father doing. In other words, what God reveals, I declare, and the kingdom expands. Now, now, this is the thing. What happens is the enemy tries to convince us just to be little pretty cell phones in a showcase that have not been spiritually activated because, you know, he's God and, and we're not. But I just want to remind you that one-third of you your spirit man is one with Christ. One third of you is a supernatural dynamic within your life. You've got a body, you've got a soul, and you've got a spirit. Let your spirit come alive and let your life be that of a spirit-led expression to your world. 
Now, I love this because the Bible clearly dispels this way of thinking that says, well, that's Jesus, and we can't do what Jesus does. See, this is the thing I've learned. Many Christians don't let the Bible get in the way of what they've decided to believe. I'll drink to that. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. In the same way Jesus saw what the Father was doing, heard what God was saying, responded with his own declaration, expanding God's kingdom, so you and I are to continue to live in him in the same way we were saved, just like Jesus walked this out in his everyday life. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future he has called you to share. God has called you to see things that he wants to reveal well in advance before they arrive. We are not showcase cell phones that are just supposed to be an expression of morality that people can look at and see, oh, look at the moral people in society. They're called Christians, which even that falls into question uh, with the, the way society is. But that perspective, that abounds in the church world that you and I live. And I just want to say, it's time to move beyond reducing the gospel to some type of a mere expression of morality. And we understand this is about a supernatural empowering of sons and daughters in the last days your sons and daughters will prophesy they will declare that which is to come because that is their call first blank have you passed your your notebooks down i got so excited i didn't even tell you to pass your notebooks down i hope you did you've got to get your your note cards out you've got to fill in the blanks if you don't get all the blanks filled in then you have to Discuss that with Peter when you try to get into heaven. Make sure you get your blanks filled in. We all have a contextual framework that God wants to enlarge. We all have a contextual framework that God wants to enlarge. So, interestingly, um, there was this man. I mean, we're, we're looking at what was going on in Scripture. But now I want to take you a few hundred years after Jesus. There was this man in a society... Uh, in the culture in which he lived, where he, they, they were aware children were being abducted. There was human trafficking going on in this man's community. He went to uh, pray and just ask God. God gave him a dream that the children were being smuggled in pickle barrels. True story. So he went to the authorities, and he said, I felt like God spoke to me that the children are actually being trafficked in pickle barrels. And so this individual was actually credited with a word from God that exposed a human trafficking ring. This young man's name was Nicholas, and he became a legend of great generosity, a young man who came to know Christ, gave away all of his possessions. We know him as Saint Nicholas. I'm referencing Santa Claus. True story about a true person, not just the legend and the myth that we've allowed this to become. Sorry if I just exposed uh, anybody that Santa's not real, but he was actually a real human being. And so here he had this incredible revelation from God to expose human trafficking. Now, there's this group in California, modern day today, led by a man by the name of Dan McCollum, and they actually heard this story, and what happened, their contextual framework got enlarged. 
And they then started forming prayer groups to pray over issues of human trafficking in their society, saying, if God could do it in 300, God can do it in 2018, 2019, 2020. And they began to pray. They started, I'm just telling you the, the, the stories that have now been substantiated. They started to pray. God began to speak to them about very specific things, license plate numbers that they then would turn into the authorities that in many instances would be to lead to captivity. And then an interesting one, they actually were praying and they got an address, the name of a street and an address, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them while they were praying that if, they would, if the authorities would go to the house, the door would be unlocked and a child was actually tied up in the house. They contacted the authorities. The authorities went to the house, went into the house, the door was unlocked, and there was a child tied up. Now this prayer group ministry, are you hearing me today? This prayer group ministry today interfaces with the FBI feeding them tips because there have been people that have been caught who were trafficking human beings because they had their contextual framework enlarged and thought if God can do it with them, God can do it with me. Now you've got to understand what he's wanting to do is enlarge your contextual framework so other people will look at you and say, if God can use you, then God can use me. What is it going to take to captivate the, the heart of a society that's seemingly so hard against God? The power of God. I want to say as a pastor, I apologize that we as a church in general in our society have been so devoted to clever that we have reduced away from power. Let's get back to the power. I'm about to get stirred up. Is this biblical? Acts chapter 9, verse 11, Ananias gets a prophetic word from God of an address that's a part of his assignment. Acts 9, 11, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. God gave him a word of knowledge about where this individual was to go and fulfill his assignment that God had placed upon his life. This contextual framework being enlarged. Maybe you've heard of Sean Bowles. Sean's an interesting guy, uh, leading a lot of ministry expression like what I'm saying. He's connected with Dan McCollum. And um, Sean was sharing just a week ago, sharing a story of uh, taking an airplane ride. He's sitting next to a guy, and the guy starts to have a conversation with him and says, I work for an oil company. What do you do? Sean said, I travel around and speak, and, and uh, you know, I write books and, and work with churches. And, and the guy, they have this good spirited conversation, and the guy gets up from his seat and goes to the bathroom, and Sean's just sitting there, and he describes how God spoke to him that this man didn't tell him the whole truth. He doesn't just work for an oil company. He's an air marshal. Now, you have to understand that's a problem for you to address with an air marshal, that they're an air marshal on an airplane. But he goes on, and the Holy Spirit then revealed to him that the man has a daughter. Not only does he have a daughter, he has a daughter who's pregnant, and that the, the pregnancy is in distress, and that the man had just prayed that the baby would be okay. 
And so he's sitting there now, what do you do with all of this? Do you, do you believe that God can speak still today? John 10, 27, my, my sheep know me, they hear my voice, they follow me. I mean, let's find out what Scripture has to say. He's sitting in his seat, and the man comes back and sits down beside him, and he looks to him, and he says, listen, I was just sitting here, I felt like God spoke some things to me, and, and if it's okay, I want to share them with you and pray with you, pray for you. He said, you know, do you have a daughter? Yes, I do have a daughter. He said, uh, is she pregnant? Yes, she's pregnant. And he said, how did you know that? He said, well, God spoke that to me, and he also told me that you prayed asking God to help her in a pregnancy distress situation, and that when we land, you're going to find out everything turned out just fine. And the guy's crying at this point, and he says, and the Lord also told me that you were completely truthful about your job, that you're the air marshal. And the guy looks at him and says, I'm not the air marshal. You got everything else right, but I'm not the air marshal. And so then they land, and, and Sean goes over to get his, his uh, luggage, and he's picking it up, and, and he feels a tap on his shoulder, and the guy comes up to him, and he says, I had to wait till I landed to run your background check to make sure you're not like somebody I can't talk to about this, but I am the air marshal. God told you everything. I just want you to know, God's got your number, and he's got the number of everybody within your reach, and he's looking for some activated Christians that'll start to pay attention to what God's wanting to do to reform our society and let them know this is not about getting people into a polished church service. This is about getting people alive to Jesus by my spirit. The man who years ago sold us the business center next door interesting uh, story as he used to be a police officer. And he shared with me as we were having a conversation after we had bought the facility, and, and he said, you know, the most amazing time of my life was when I felt like I was just in tune with God and what God was wanting to do. And, and I was able to just encourage him a little bit in that conversation. Bill Sharp's his name. And, um, and he, he said to me, he was driving on the northwest side of Oklahoma City, and suddenly over the radio... Uh, they reported that a special needs, a, a child with special needs was actually lost. And it was a young man who loved police officers, so they were telling all the police, please be on the lookout. He's in uh, southeast Oklahoma City, somewhere far south. Well, Bill, Officer Bill, was in the northwest part of Oklahoma City, not southeast, far away. 30-minute drive, perhaps, to where the place was. But as he's driving, and he hears this on the radio, he just senses a prompting of the Holy Spirit, turn down this road. And he's just trying to be obedient to the Lord. That's all God asks for us. And he turns down the road, and he sees this child waving wildly at the car. He pulls over, and at the prompting of the Spirit, he had turned down the road where the boy was standing. Nobody knows how he got from southeast to northwest, but I'm so glad he paid attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you, God is activating a Spirit-led army for everyday life and for the purpose of community transformation where police officers, teachers, government leaders, and everyday ordinary people like us are empowered by God to do extraordinary things. Let his kingdom expand. In the same way you accepted Christ, so continue to live. I got a phone call yesterday from somebody who, they're actually, they're in a leadership role in another church. I don't think they've ever called me to say, hey, God spoke something to me over your church. But yesterday they called me 
And they said, um, I was just praying this week, and I felt like God was asking me to call you and tell you that he's about to empower the church family of destiny to do the supernatural. This was the conversation yesterday. No idea what I was going to be talking about today. And, and, I, and I said, well, that's really interesting. And, and she went on and began to say, uh, not only is that going to happen, but you need to be careful not to start to call this revival. It's not revival. It's just the new normal that God wants to bring into the church. I received that word. I received that word. Be activated. Be activated. Come on, let's call it in. Let's call it in. In the name of Jesus. This is where we're going to go in this next season of the church, exploring, understanding. Uh, contextually, our framework's going to be enlarged, but let me, just, let me just give you a commission. Going to church shouldn't be like going to the movies where you get entertained by the motivational speaker. Going to church should be more like going to the gym where you get a little bit of a workout, and I want to commission you to even more of a workout to develop spiritually the way God wants you to develop. I want you to activate the software that's already been downloaded. You're going to begin to hear the Lord in amazing ways. How many of you believe that? You should amen that and just receive it over yourself. But what we're going to do, uh, if you look on the blog, you'll find this, this prayer progression. It's not a magical prayer. There are a lot of things you could do, but this is a focal point we're going to take. You can see the blueprint behind me. And what this is is a, a, a prayer, a blueprint for prayer to spiritually activate. And it's something God's revealed in Scripture. That's actually a layout of the tabernacle. And there's a prayer progression through the tabernacle that I want to encourage you to download and pray through. It takes me about 20 minutes just to read through the whole thing, but it gets an understanding. And I'm going to explain it to you briefly here by way of a video. If you can start that video, uh, this is about a, a three and a half minute just a virtual tour of the tabernacle. And so from the back, all the Israelites are surrounding the tabernacle, and you can see the fire and the glory of God there coming out of the most holy place. And these tall white walls are too tall for you to see over as humans, certainly too tall to get over. There's only one way in. Notice the purple uh, cloth, and that's the gate, speaking of the royalty of Christ, the only way in to the presence of God. And as you go in, you see the brazen altar, and the brazen altar is the place where sacrifices are made for sin. And suddenly, after you walk through that place of sacrifice, speaking of the sacrifice of Christ, you then move to the laver. The laver is an interesting basin filled with water. The base of it is mirrors, and when you look down in it, what you see is your face. But when you've been sacrificing animals, then suddenly all the water water becomes bloody, you no longer see yourself. You see the blood of the sacrifice, just like God sees us through Christ who sacrificed for us. And then we go into this place called the holy place. It's not the most holy place. It's the chamber just before. And as you go in, you look to the left, you'll see these, uh, this interesting menorah there, and there are seven candles burning, and the one in the center is slightly higher, and it speaks of the deity of Christ.
and humanity, uh, ocean that he came to rescue us from. And when we look to the other side, we see the table of showbread where we see bread that is fresh before the Lord continually. Speaking of Jesus, the bread who came down from heaven, the manna that came to nourish us, to understand true life. All of this speaks of Christ. And then we see this altar of incense that looks exactly like the brazen altar, only it's made of gold and smaller. And there's incense 24 hours a day going up to the heavens. And the Bible says the prayers of God's people are like incense before him. And as we stir ourselves to seek God, that begins to come out of our lives continually. Then we step into the most holy place and the removal of this uh, atonement cover from the Ark of the Covenant is taking place so that we can get a quick glimpse of the three items that are actually in the Ark of the Covenant. And these three items are extremely significant, and I think you'll find them greatly encouraging. The first one is the pot of manna, and this speaks of when the Israelites actually rejected the provision of God. Anybody here made any mistakes before? And then the next we see where the, the staff is budding, where the Israelites had actually rejected the authority of God, and he had to set that straight. And then we see the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments remind us that we're not able to actually uh, fulfill the commandment, the laws that, that God's called us to without the power of Christ. Those are three very embarrassing things in the, in, the, in the history of the Israelites. But I want you to see what happens. The atonement cover doesn't set to the side so that when God looks down, he sees their embarrassing mistakes. The atonement cover covers the embarrassing mistakes. And the priest comes in there with the blood from the sacrifice, and he puts blood over the atonement cover and when God looks down, he doesn't look at our mistakes. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. And all of this speaks of the cross of Jesus Christ. And a deck, come on. All of this speaks of the love and the life of Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand to your feet and let's give him praise today. All of this speaks of the love and the power of Jesus Christ who gave everything he was so that you and I might become everything God has created us to be. I declare today God is spiritually activating us if we're willing to respond to his love and to his life in Jesus' mighty name. saying that there are transactions taking place in our hearts. Would you just open your heart? None of us have this all figured out. <laughs> These are all shadows and mysteries of the eternal revelation that God wants us to explore. Lord, we surrender to you. Jesus, we surrender to you. We invite you, Holy Spirit, illuminate our lives, illuminate our hearts, illuminate the gifts that you've placed within us. Help us, Lord, to find faithful places to pray and to pursue you, not as an expression that would resemble the accomplishment of a Pharisee, but as an expression of broken men and women who just want more. We just want more. We don't want to settle for where we've been. Jesus didn't die so we could merely go to church. He died to establish the church in the earth. We gather as the church because we are the family of God. 
and we walk out the plans of the expression of God's kingdom in our everyday lives, as we hear the voice of the Father, we respond with our response from our heart, and the kingdom begins to expand. Lord, we want more. We want more. In Jesus' mighty name, we want more. Come on, let's surrender to him today. All in agreement, let's surrender to him. Lord Jesus, you're who you say you are. You're the Savior of the world. You came, you fulfilled every one of the 300-plus prophecies of the first coming of the Messiah. It's a miracle in and of itself. You split history right in two. You are the Savior of the world. We need you as our Savior to rescue us from our sin. You're the Messiah. And you're not wanting to just make us free. You're wanting to make us freedom fighters where we're helping others to be free. Come on, if you agree with that, why don't you give God a shout of praise and a declaration of celebration. Come on, he is worthy, worthy.